Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe Cade. I'm the pastor here. We're so grateful that you've joined us in worship. If you'll take your bulletin out and turn to the section that says radical hospitality, we'd like to frame our announcements in the five practices of fruitful congregations. We try our best to live up to these principles. Sometimes we get it exactly right, sometimes sort of, sometimes we need to work on it, but we're always pursuing it. The first of which is radical hospitality. And you'll see different notes uh, in each of these sections for each of these um, practices that we believe. First, I want to tell you that um, we have visitor cards and prayer cards in our pew. If you'd like to share your contact information with us, we'll reach out to you in the way that you share with us. And we also have prayer cards. If you would like to participate in the prayer life of this church by sharing any sort of prayer concern with us, you're welcome to do so. There's also a pastoral care line on the front of the bulletin. That turns into an email. You get a voicemail and you leave a message. If you need immediate uh, care and assistance, someone to be there for you, you can leave a message and we'll get it and be there as quickly as possible. If you simply want to share a prayer concern, you can do that too on that number. Uh, either one is fine. Just leave a simple, clear message. Uh, basketball registration is ongoing now. There's a link on the front page of our website, and that registration is through the next couple of weeks so that we can make sure we have our teams for the league. So if you or a loved one wants to play basketball, make sure you uh, check with the registration on our website. A big event coming up soon is the Fall Festival. You see a big paragraph for it just above the Passionate Worship section. Um, the time, uh, 5 to 6.30 on October 29th, um, we're seeking donations of peanut-free candy and small toy toys for prizes. Uh, we are also seeking people who can bake cupcakes. I know for a fact there are cupcake bakers in this room. If you like baking cupcakes and want to share them with uh, the church, we would be uh, very glad to have them. We believe in passionate worship. And if you uh, came in from this parking lot and you saw some trees that were there that are no longer there, and a sidewalk, a uh, new, brand new sidewalk with a circle that there, that's there, that's a new prayer garden that's coming. Our children and family minister uh, director is uh, Aaron Knight. Aaron went to Clemson to learn landscape architecture. Uh, she now is applying that as a children's director here at Memorial by drawing an amazing plan for a prayer garden. Uh, so you'll see uh, different aspects of that coming along uh, in the next couple of weeks and I hope that you notice it. We believe in intentional faith development and I want to encourage you. We have seen a massive spike in my career in the use of technology by people in the church. You can go to sundayscripturepodcast.com on any device that you have and you'll see a blog that sets up the scripture for the week. You'll see a, a podcast that's 15 minutes you can listen to right on your device that sets up uh, Sunday and I also record my sermon in one 
service or the other, uh, audio of that sermon, and you can listen to that. We also have video um, uh, uh, that's provided by our team uh, that leads worship for us. We believe in risk-taking mission and service. Whatever we can do to serve our community, uh, both here and abroad, and Brett Hovis, who is on that team, has some great news to share with you. Thank you, Joe. Good morning. Our mission and service team wants to share some excellent news today in two major subjects. First, we want to celebrate what we've been doing in the last five weeks. We've given generously to three excellent causes this month. We've given $9,000 to UMCOR for the hurricane relief. We've also given a little over $1,000 to Epworth Children's Home. And we're, we're a major sponsor for the Greer Community Ministries event this weekend and gave, gave them a donation of $2,500 for an important fundraiser for their budget. Uh, we also started the Honey Dudes mission back in the summer, and we've built a team of, of close to uh, 40 volunteers for that mission. And so far, uh, what we've been doing is, is as we get calls coming in, uh, this is the mission where we're helping serve in the community and the church for uh, widows, single mothers, and wives of deployed military doing small tasks uh, in and around their, their homes. And we've, we've done about four tasks so far, and it's been extremely rewarding. And it's also allowed us to, uh, to learn more about what's going on uh, with that member in the, in the church uh, or that member in the community if, if there were things that, that have happened that we weren't aware of uh, for them not being able to come to church. So if, if you would like to be part of that mission, we're always looking for, uh, for uh, men to get involved with it. You can email me at honeydudes at memorialgreer.com uh, or if, you ha if you're in need of some of our service, reach out to Leslie Pace in the church office and uh, she can uh, point you in the right direction and get you in touch with us. Uh, we also want to anticipate what we're going to be doing in the next six weeks. Uh, one of our signature projects is the Thanksgiving boxes uh, sponsored by the Foundation Sunday School class. And we will be donating to the project in the coming weeks. And then on November 19th, which is Consecration Sunday, uh, we will be looking for people to help and uh, willing to deliver those meals to families in and around the community. So if you want to get involved in that, reach out to myself or Joe or Leslie Pay and uh, we'll get you pointed in the right direction and thank you for your time. Thank you, Brett. We also believe in extravagant generosity. As he noticed, a lot of these blend across one another. You'll see that section on the last page of your bulletin, and you'll see how to give online if you would like to do that. I believe, no, I'm sorry, there's one more announcement outside of our practices, and that is a transition of one of our staff. Lori Gibson has served as the preschool director in our CEP uh, about the exact same time that I've been here. Um, she's, a, and before that, she was an assistant in the program, assistant director in the program. Program. Um, she's accepted a tremendous job in Greenville. She's at um, Buncombe Street, has a, uh, is a mother-daughter now with Trinity United Methodist on Augusta Road, if you're familiar with Trinity. Very similar footprint to ours uh, on Augusta going out of Greenville. Uh, they have a preschool, and Lori has accepted a job there. She starts, I believe, a week from tomorrow. 
We've gone through the process of hiring someone. We have a name, but she's still telling people, so we're going to wait. Uh, she starts on October 30th here on a Monday. Um, Kenna Owens, who has been the staff parish chair for the last two years, with every transition that we've had, she has helped us. And she, a former uh, retired teacher, is going to step in as the director of that program for two weeks as an interim. So my goodness, if you see Kenna, give her a hug. We're grateful for Kenna. If you see Lori, give her a hug. Wish her well uh, on her way to a new transition. We know that um, we always are grateful when someone has a tremendous opportunity in front of them. So uh, make sure you reach out to both of those if you see them. If you'll stand as you're able and join us with our first hymn. Let us now affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, 
suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. Our first scripture lesson today is from the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, and with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. This is the word of God for the people of God.
Let us pray. Heavenly Father, today we've sung about a king. We've read about joy. We've listened to a song about a shepherd. And we'll read about a great meal. So many instances in our scripture, in our song, in our prayers, talk about your provision and majesty. The amazing things that you've given us. But today we also read about human anger and bitterness and selfishness. Take everything that we've heard, we've prayed, we've said, we've sung today, Lord. And give us a comprehensive look at the opportunities that you grant us. The times in which we have a decision. And the amazing chance that we have to join you in worship. Calm our hearts and minds this morning, Lord, from the things that are outside, from the important tasks before us, that we may hear your message for us this day. Lead us in the prayer your Son taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. We decided to share our minutes for mission in the announcements, so it's now time for our offering. You can see on the back page of your bulletin the um, amazing nature of your giving and what we're doing with it. You can give as the plate goes by. You can also give online as the instructions in the bulletin say. And we're grateful again to have Bailey Kervorst uh, play with Don during our offering.
please be seated. Today we're talking about opportunities that come out of nowhere with very little notice and very little time to decide what you're going to do. When I was in the fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, I used to go in my dad's bathroom. He had a radio about this big that had a TV on it about this big, a little TV screen, and it could toggle between the two, and it would pick up local channels. And I would go in every night, steal his radio, and watch the Hornets game or some game, Monday night football, whatever it was, and then have to remember to put it back in the morning. How often do you think I did that? How often do you think I remembered? Well, y'all know me. I did, a, I did an okay job, maybe 50%. I'd put it back, you'd say, hey, need my radio back. Um, whatever it was, whoever had a ball, I wanted to listen to it or watch it. And one Friday morning, I was eating breakfast with my parents. It wasn't a spirited breakfast. We were tired from the week. We were just kind of looking at each other. And the phone rang. It was a phone on the wall with a cord on it. And uh, it rang 7.30. Why am I getting a phone call at 7.30? I answered the phone. It's a friend of mine. He said, hey, do you want to go to the Hornets game tonight? The Chicago Bulls were coming to play the Hornets. And I loved Muggsy Bogues. And I loved Del Curry. And I loved uh, Kelly Trapuca. And all those boys. And the Bulls are coming to town. Michael Jordan is coming to town. Yeah. Yeah, I want to come. Remember that day I told you my mom, that same phone went down to her knees crying when she got that job opportunity? It wasn't quite like that, but it was pretty excited. In 2004, I was an associate, and my senior minister handed me master's tickets for the next day, practice round. She said, I don't know if you have time to do this. I'd never been. She said, I don't know if you have time to do this, but I can't go. I'd like you to go. And I called friend after friend after friend after friend to have someone else to go with. And since that day, people have said, you didn't call me, <laughs> including my own father. I was on 26 going west at about Orangeburg and called a person I sort of knew who was in my residency program, who was in Columbia. And I said, I'll be in Columbia in 25, 35 minutes. And if you want to go to the Masters, you can get in the car with me. I don't know if you like golf, I said. He's the biggest golf fan I've ever met, he said. This is on cell phone. Couldn't text on it. It was on cell phones about that big. He said, yeah. Yeah, just swing by and get me. We spent 15 hours with each other. We had not spent five hours with each other in our lives. We spent 15 hours doing that in our best friends today. In fact, he's on the podcast, Brad Gray. He's at St. Andrews in Charleston. Not long ago, I got a text from Katie. Call on the phone, call on a cell phone, text on a cell phone. Katie said, do you want to go see uh, Tim McGraw in Faith Hill in Greenville? Greenville County Schools teachers get tickets for next to nothing. Do you want to go? You know the last time I went to a concert? If I gave you all five guesses, you wouldn't get it. All of you. I was selling flower flashlights out of a bucket as an employee at Carowinds at a Billy Ray Cyrus concert. <laughs> Billy Ray Cyrus is the only concert I've seen. 
and it wasn't my best day. It wasn't. I thought, well, I guess I'm getting paid for this, but I don't know if it's enough to get paid to do this. She said, um, do you want to come? And I said, yeah. We go to the concert. It was amazing. I don't go to concerts. It was awesome. And sometimes they do a song together, sometimes him, sometimes her, back and forth, back and forth. It was amazing without much notice. And sometimes you don't have much notice, and it is a yes or no question right now. With that in mind, let's look at Matthew chapter 22, starting with verse 1. It's on page 1534 in your pew Bible or within a couple of pages of that. And I'm going to read three different sections. So if you'll keep your Bible open if you like to read. Jesus spoke to them again in parables saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come. But they refused to come. Then he sent more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fattened cattle have been butchered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So the first phrase I want you to think about is his son. That's the king's son. It's tremendous pressure to be the son of a powerful man. Everyone, whether you are a famous actor, a famous politician, a CEO, a creator of a small business, whatever it may be, um, do you want to do what your dad does? Is a question people ask the son. People also in this particular case and in cases in which there's great wealth or royalty or um, power, they figure the son doesn't ever have to do anything hard. Everything's been set up for him. The hills are low. The paths are straight. He gets whatever he wants. That can't be hard. When if we truly think about it, there's got to be very difficult aspects about that. In fact, um, Dale Curry, who I saw that night, who was playing for the Hornets, had a son who played for Davidson, who's now a star in the NBA. How many times do you think they asked Steph, do you want to be in the NBA? Tremendous pressure. And this is a banquet for his son. But they don't want to come. And they don't want to hear about how hard it is to be the king's son. Nobody wants to hear that. Zero sympathy for him. And it's a tremendous embarrassment for both father and son that everyone involved is saying, no, you know, I got something to do. And this is two things. This is deeply personal. Deeply personal for him to have worked with these people, to have led these people, to have ruled over these people, and these, for these important people to him to say, no, I don't need to go. It's also deeply political. See, the king has power because people give the king that power. There's blood and there's royalty and there's the line of secession, but that's only if everybody buys into that. And there's all kinds of books and plays and television shows and movies about them not buying into that. 
so it's deeply personal, it's deeply political, and they are making a statement about his power. Verse 5. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. Go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you can find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, both good and bad. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. So first we talked about his son. Now we're talking about his honor. Rejection has dominated the things that we've talked about for weeks here. Rejection and anger and bitterness. And I said either last week or two weeks ago, you could easily get the impression that I'm upset with the way things are going at this church and I'm choosing passage after passage to show you something has got to change. I'm bitterly upset. I'm not. Not in the slightest. We are reading texts from the very end of Matthew to wrap up this year before a new year of reading Scripture starts in Advent. And this is the way Matthew ends. With deep anger, deep resentment, violence that is constantly elevating. See, last week the guy created a winery. He built all the things that needed to be there. He bought all the products that you needed to start it up. He got a person that could run it. He got servants who would um, work it. And when it, came, when it came time for there to be revenue from that business, he sent his servants there. The ones who did all the work said, why do we have to give them any money? It's our money. We've done the work. And that same escalation, beat, robbed, killed, stoned. In fact, when he sent his son last week, they said, if we can just take out the son, then we can have all of this with very short-term thinking about what that owner would do. There's nothing in last week's story of a response, but did you see the response this week? He sent soldiers to that village and brought violence upon them. Over and over and over again in this gospel, at the end, it's escalating. Now, in the particular seminary that I attended and the um, particular training that I had, it suggested that the Gospels are not written day by day an exact account from what happened that day. Instead, it's people who have talked to several people, heard lots of stories, and compiled those stories into a Gospel decades after Jesus' life on earth. And it's suggested by those people that as Matthew is compiling these stories, the Roman government is, re is tired of the people of Israel rebelling against them and they burn the temple to the ground. So as the author of this gospel is compiling this gospel, he's looking at complete destruction of their major faith place, which is the temple. But deep down in this story, Amidst the violence and response and the fire and the death is opportunity. Opportunity for a new group of people to come and join him at this party. 
opportunity for people who don't have something else to do. Who aren't making up excuses. And see, each story in the four Gospels generally has a parallel story in at least one, maybe all four of the other Gospels. And in the other version of this story, he says, the wedding banquet's ready. And one guy says, well, you know, I bought some land. I got to go check it out. Another one says, I bought some cattle. I got to go check them out. Another one says, I just got married, so I can't come. Think if you heard that from one of your dearest friends on a Saturday night at 5 p.m. They want to go check on their cattle on a Saturday night at 5 p.m. so they then can't therefore go to the wedding. So he's going to give a new opportunity. Verse 11. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man who was there not wearing wedding clothes. Friend, he asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? The man was speechless. The king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth for many are invited, but few are chosen. What? We just had a bunch of people who were invited to this party and this story was trending up. But in the midst of trending up and these people who were coming in the palace who wouldn't normally get to come in the palace, who would normally come to the gate and there'd be people who would cross a, a what do you call that thing? A big stick with a spike on it. Across them and say, mm -mm. these people are now pouring into the palace and the king says, hey, why aren't you wearing appropriate attire? Y'all ever been stuck that way? You ever gone to an event that was a little dressier than you thought it was going to be? You got a golf shirt on, you need a blazer. You have pants on, you need a dress. Or reverse. I guess if you're too formal, sometimes people are like, what are you wearing? Why'd you wear a tuxedo today? And I know for a fact that every one of you has on occasion needed two things, just two things from the grocery store. So you get a strange pair of pants because all your stuff's in the wash. You get a shirt that has maybe some dog hair on it from the couch. You throw on a hat or whatever you need to do, pull your hair back, and you go to the store, you're getting two things. You run into seven people. <laughs> You feel compelled to say what? Yeah, I was just, just going to run out. I didn't feel like I was going to run into people. That's fine. It's always, always funny. And in fact, some people won't recognize me um, because this is the normal way that you see me. That's not the way you're going to see me at the grocery store on Saturday at 6 a.m. It's not going to be the same picture. But this is different. You ever walk the streets of Charleston? Greenville, Asheville, Myrtle Beach, D.C., Atlanta, New York. You ever see random things in those places and you think, what on earth is that? What if somebody came sweeping along as you're just walking along and they say, we're all going to the palace for a big dinner? Would you A, just, yeah man, let's do it. This is the opportunity of a lifetime. I'm going. B, uh, I don't know, I don't feel like... Or see not and do nothing. This guy got swept up in the crowd 
and decided to come and for some strange reason now is singled out and says he has to go home. Not only does he have to go home, it's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is why ministers look at this and go, we're doing what this week? We're reading what this week? We're reading this this week? A couple different theories. My favorite theory means that it's talking about uh, that garment is a metaphor for a respect and gratitude for the ability to come to the party. And so by not changing anything about himself and still coming, it's like coming to worship and changing nothing about your outlook. Y'all buying that one? Not sure. Be one of my first questions when I get the opportunity. Was I right when we were talking about this? Let me give you a quote by David Lewicki. He said, For Matthew, that is the author of the Gospel of Matthew, ethics are paramount. If a person receives unmerited grace and does not respond with humility, compassion, kindness, and gratitude, that person is judged just as those who begged off the initial invitation. In truth, it may be that an ungrateful life is its own judgment, an outer darkness that is desperately lonely and devoid of joy. That makes the whole thing a metaphor. Jesus is already using a metaphor to try to make this point about the people rejecting him. But in so doing, he puts another thing in there about clothing the experts of which I follow say is about a change in your life. So if you thought about four words, humility, compassion, kindness, gratitude, rank them in your head which one is the best and which one is the worst in the way you live your life. Humility, compassion, kindness, gratitude. I feel like y'all hear me say thank you a lot. And I mean it. So I feel like gratitude's up there for me. I try to be kind as often as I possibly can. I feel like that's second. Compassion is hard for me because I experience so many hard things in people's life. It's hard to let any one of them in because if I let one in, I'm going to let them all in. Y'all understand that? I try. But if I let them all in, you know, because many of you are a strength of your workplace or of your family or of your particular circle in this church. And sometimes when the girls fall, I feel bad for them and I'm like, why did you turn the bike so hard? Why not just pick them up and hug? I struggle, honestly. And dead last, humility. I'll give you a great reason why. They say, church is different now. People who say that they attend regularly attend 25 to 28, 29, 30 times. And with every person from this era and a previous era that came all the time, you'll have a new person that does not. But you know what I always do? I think, I can beat that. I can no question beat that and I always look at the numbers and I always think I can beat it. Now, I'm humble about my skill set. 
I'm humble about my flaws. Good. Merciful something. I'm, I'm humble about that. But I always think I can work hard enough and win every time. Where do you rank on those four? Humility, compassion, kindness, and gratitude. What if your weakest one was a t-shirt that you wore everywhere you went? Be hard, wouldn't it? He's saying you got the opportunity of a lifetime to come and join and you didn't change a thing. Hard story to understand. Hard story to comprehend. Hard story to live out. But what we can always remember is that there are two major elements of this Christian life. Acceptance of a tremendous gift. Because that's what it is. We are given a gift and an opportunity to participate and change. When we read that communion liturgy and we say to one another, I said things that I shouldn't have said. I did things I shouldn't have done. I didn't say things I should have said. I didn't do things I should have done. And I'm sorry. And we all read collectively together and we all forgive one another and we say in the name of Jesus Christ, what? You are forgiven. Acceptance and change in the opportunity for humility, compassion, kindness, and gratitude that others may see in our actions and our words that we have truly changed. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you'll stand as you're able and join us for number 399.
Please remember to reach out to Lori Gibson in her transition and tell her thank you for her service here. If you'd like to give us a note, we'll make sure that she gets it. If you would like to email us, we'll make sure that she gets it. Think about Kenna in these two weeks and uh, reach out and support her in any way that you can as she is helping us with a major task in two weeks. We look forward to announcing our new director and, um, and a um, great opportunity that we have going forward. Go in peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit go with you all. Amen.